guys. Welcome back to another week of Autastic, your comedian's guide to autism. I'm your host. My name is Kirk Smith, and my co-host and friend... Graham K. How you doing, buddy? Good to hear We're your doing voice. it. You're back in Florida? Is, that, is in that right? Florida this week uh, for another 24 hours, and then Oklahoma, and then oh where am I not? Yeah, where am I not? <laughs> Amazing. Good for you. I am actually going to be in Indianapolis. Ooh, um, Wisecrackers? Yes. No, I am going to be at Helium. Ooh, great. Um, yeah, coming up soon. So that'll be exciting. I'll be opening for Nate Bergazzi, and I'll be headlining myself on th- Thursday the 22nd at 9.30 p.m. And also f- Saturday at 4.30 p.m. A little afternoon show. That's right. And then uh, I'll be opening for Nate later on in the evening. So I'll be, op- I'll be opening him. So I have my own show on the Thursday, and then I'm... Uh, and then I have uh, I'm opening for Nate on the Friday and Saturday night. Nate Bargatze, who has two mm-hmm. Netflix specials, just had a big Netflix special come out um, about a week and a half ago. It's pretty awesome. He so was on uh, the he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's a competing podcast. You probably probably haven't heard of it, but uh, they do all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're we're coming after you, Joe. And then um, and then I'll be in Texas. I'll be in Houston, Texas. Uh, follow me on Instagram for more uh, details on that. Uh, the following weekend, starting on Friday the 30th, I might even go to Lafayette, which I believe is in Louisiana. Um, but I've never been to Texas, so I'm excited. It's your it's your home state, right? I guess. I don't know. I mean, I've lived longer in New York, but I still have a Texas number, so I guess so. And you have like a there's like a Texas thing about you. Is there? <laughs> there's something a little off. Um, I only lived there uh, five I'm years, kidding. but uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. You still look like a, uh, you look like a, a failed a, high school quarterback. You, yes. But you look like a high school, <laughs> co- uh, like quarterback coach um, <laughs> right now. But, um, so anyway, um, this is the comedian's guide to autism. My brother has autism. Your son has autism. And um, my brother, Peter, quick little update on him. He has started gaining weight again. And I was, we were talking on the phone and I was like, he's like, you know, I've been losing weight. And my mom is like, he is not losing weight. He is bigger than ever. <laughs> and, and so I, I go, hey man, well, let's let's go check out your scale. And he has this, like he was taught to write down his weight on a piece of paper so he can track it. And he, he's suspiciously been at two thirteen for a long time, even though his body looks different. And he's like, I just weighed myself. I'm below two twenty. I'm like, okay. And then I was like, let me, let's take a look at the scale. And so we're FaceTiming. And uh, he gets, he hops on the scale and he's like, yep, so I'm somewhere under 2.30. And I'm like, can you point the camera at the scale? He's like, huh? Can, I'm like, can you point the camera on this? He's like, okay, at 2.45. <laughs> um, and then I, I look at his little sheet of paper and he's been lying to himself. It's like 2.13, 2.18, 2, you know. I'm like, put 2.45 on there, Peter. How about that? 
And so that was a big wake-up call, and we'll see what happens with that. What did he but say? What did he say about it? He's, like, in denial, and he thinks he can get away with all the snacking and the beers and all the, all the you know, sa- you know, salad dressing, creamy salad dressings and all that. And it's, it's, it's like I've said this before on the podcast. It's my mother is concerned. I mean, I'm sure a little concerned, but it's, I mean, everyone is putting on weight in the pandemic. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's, he's going through the same crap we're all going through. Yep. He's got an idle mind. The guy has no girlfriend, wife. He lost his job. What's he do? What's he going to do? Yep. And we're all drinking more and we're all doing this and that. So good news is, though, is he got his first vaccine a couple days ago and he got the Pfizer and he's fine. He didn't have any symptoms or anything like that. And um, yeah, so we're he's on the up and up, I think he's 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 lonelier than ever. He calls me more than ever. He calls like three, four times a day. You know who'd and like Miami, Pete, Peter Parker, Spider-Man would love it down yes. there. Yes. You know what I was thinking of doing for his birthday is getting a somewhat like not a, a painting but a photoshop of his face wearing a spy the Spider-Man uniform. Ooh, like a deep like, fake. I like it. <laughs> yeah, and like in his hand he's like holding the mask or something Ooh, like I that. I like it. I think he would really like that. So if anybody out there thinks that they could do that, let me know. Uh, That's a good idea. DM me on, uh, you know, Facebook Messenger, or Instagram Messenger, or Twitter, or, or whatever. Email me at uh, GrahamKComic at Gmail. And, um, yeah, that'd be awesome. I think that'd be really great. That would, his birthday's coming up in June. So he'll be, I guess he'll be 37. Which is pretty crazy. And he's, crazy. Been, living on, he's been living on his own. For like 13 years now. How crazy is that? He's had less roommates than you have. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, c- consistency. I've been, I move like way too often. I'm in a new place right now, and I hope to not leave this place for a long time. But this guy moves all the time. Anyway, or, or I move all the time. He's, he's been solid, no roommates, holding it down. It's great. So. Hasn't got kicked out. No, no wild parties. You know, no evictions. It's great. Nope. Just drinking alone, watching Spider-Man videos. So, <laughs> when you say it like that, uh. yeah. <laughs> He's been going for long walks though, and my mom told him because he was he would go on a subway too much, and 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 McDonald's too much on his walks. It's like, oh yeah, I went for a walk. I had a d- double Big Mac and a fries on the walk, though. I'm like, oh, that kind of kind of takes away from the exercise, buddy. So he uh, he's like, well, you know, I think I'm going to p- start packing my a sandwich so I can eat it in the park. I'm like, that's a great idea. I'm like, did mom tell you that? He's like, yeah. <laughs> I, think I think it's a good idea, though. I like it. <laughs> yeah, just a nice salad dressing sandwich or whatever it is, <laughs> whatever he's got going on. 
Mayo and ranch sandwich. Delicious. Mayo, mayo and steak sandwich. Okay. <laughs> okay. JJ's doing good. We had a call today, and uh, they they were taking them on a shopping trip. They're trying to teach them a little bit how to shop. You know, for mm. for at least for vegetables, and not just go into the oh. store and buy candy. Yeah. But uh, can he go to the it, store and buy candy? No, but if you take him to the store, he makes his way to the candy aisle. There's a big chain in Sweden that's called Ika, I-K-I-C-A, and they've got like the old school kind of like, oh, you know what? They have this at Ikea too, where it's like candy in a bin and you like scoop out a few. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do that after COVID, but uh, yeah, they still do that. So he goes over there and he points at stuff. and. But yeah, so today we're doing the... Um, we do the little thing with like, I think it's called pecs where you've got the little pictures on Velcro. And uh-huh. so like, there's a picture of the car and then there's a picture uh-huh. of carrots and then there's a picture of, you know, different things that they're supposed to go by. And so he was uh, on his call to me. He's grabbing the picture of the car and showing it to me. Like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Oh, I'm busy, cool. I'm busy, busy man. <laughs> I love that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. And I was just like, one minute. Just talk to me for one minute. That's all I'm asking you. <laughs> I got to go buy carrots and candy. I'm a very busy man. These yeah. candies aren't going to eat themselves. <laughs> that's great. Good for him. It's tough, though. Like, I think we're all programmed to like sugar and salt. So it's like, it's tough. You know, it's tough to like yes. explain when why. When you don't I can't know why. Yeah, there's a whole you... wall full of candy. Why can't I have? I only want five. It's like, yeah. yeah. And I like it. Yeah. And you know we can have it. Take out the thing out of your wallet. Give it to that person. Let's get the candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a, a special episode because um, we are blessed, I'm going to say, to have uh, another episode with roving reporter Jill Escher doing her thing, getting the big guests, getting the smart people on the podcast, getting the doctors. Um, you got to balance it out from us. you got to have the two to, idiots, then the two geniuses, then back right. to the idiots. The yin that's and right. the yang. Yes, that's right. <laughs> two dumb we- dumb men, two smart women. Here we go. Um, so we have Dr. Uh, Alicia Halliday is being interviewed, um, coming up right now, by roving reporter Jill Escher. Hey everyone, it's roving reporter Jill Escher here, back with another special interview with a very special guest, Alicia Halliday. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Jill. I'm so honored to be a part of this podcast. I'm, I'm. Well, welcome back. You've actually been on it before. I know. And, uh, I know. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, it's an honor to have you here, and Alicia is the um. Chief Science Officer for the Autism Science Foundation. She was um, also uh, working at Autism Speaks, you know, years ago, and before that, for another autism research nonprofit. So, in other words, she's been in the autism world, God knows how many years, like a long time, Alicia. Yes, she's like shaking your head, like a yes. lot. I can't even count. Well, um, and even before and- that, I was at Rutgers studying. Um, models of autism so yeah okay. so since the stone age um <laughs> yes and alicia also has two girls one of whom is on the spectrum so you know she is knee deep in autism um and also i think probably more than anybody else on the planet has the most exceptional breadth of knowledge concerning so many areas of research she is a, a walking talking autism encyclopedia 
So today is very exciting because we're going to talk about autistic frogs, <laughs> sort of autistic frogs. Um, we're going to talk about a particular study, which was kind of interesting and, and brings up a lot of interesting questions. Um, I'll introduce it quickly and then I'll pitch some questions to you. Uh, this study was published, I think, uh, just this month, which is March 2021. It came out of the lab of a researcher named Matt State at UCSF, University of California at San Francisco. The lead author is Helen Wilsey, who I believe is a postdoc at UCSF. Um, and she likes using frogs <laughs> to research uh, neurodevelopmental disruptions and model autism. Now, I have read a lot of papers on using model organisms. And I, this might be my first frog paper in autism, at least. Um, okay, so Alicia, tell us, what was the purpose of this paper? So the, the purpose of the paper was not to show that a frog has autism because <laughs> we, mice do not have autism, rats do not have autism, people have autism. But frogs are, especially tadpoles, are a relatively simple organism. They don't have um, that many cells, but they, as they grow, they develop a, you know, they develop a brain and they develop uh, nerves. Um, and you can actually see those nerves under a microscope. You don't need, you know, specialized, you need a regular microscope. You don't need all this specialized equipment. So you can, um, label cells and you can track cells. And in the case of this study, you can actually alter the genetic expression or you can mutate cells using um, this genetic technology called CRISPR. Um, and many people have heard about CRISPR because a researcher in China used it on human embryos, which he's now in jail for. So don't worry, no one's thinking that this is an okay thing to do. But um, you can change the expression of certain cells using CRISPR, and then you can look at what happens then. So, you know, do, do the cells grow the same way? Do they make connections in the same way? Do they um, go to the places that they should? Um, and not just brain cells, but they can also look at heart cells, kidney cells, lung cells. And as we know, people with autism have a lot of other issues besides just neurological brain issues. Um, a lot of them have problems in other systems of their body. So this was, and, 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 and Dr. Wilsey knows, has been doing a lot of work in frogs and she knows about the frog morphology. And so this was a great way for her to look at the specific actions of different genes um, during development. And it wasn't just like one gene. They uh, mutated 10 different genes, not all in the same frog, mind you, but 10 genes in different groups of frogs. They did. Um, so they they... analyze um, each genetic mutation separately. And this is really unusual, people. I mean, usually a, a study will look at maybe one mutation that they induced, say, in a mouse. It's very unusual to see a study that mutated so many genes and looked at what happened in the neurodevelopment, right, of the offspring. Um, and what's even kind of crazier in this study is they mutated only half the frog, <laughs> half of each frog. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, so the way that the frog develops, you know, um, you can actually, if you in, in, inject it into the embryo, you inject a mutation into the embryo, it's a two cell embryo, and then literally half the brain is affected by this mutation. So you have one half of the brain that has the mutation and you can see all sorts of things go on. And then the other half of the brain is what you would, might call typically developing or developing with, without a known genetic mutation. So they can compare within the same frog or they can also compare to different frogs that didn't have any sort of mutation. So it would be the, the kind of typical one. This is actually called, if, if you were to look at this in a human, some people with autism do have these sorts of mutations where they have different mutations in different cells, which is kind of cool, but it only makes the whole issue of studying genetics and autism 5,000 times more complicated where people will have mutations in brain cells, but they won't have them in blood or they will have them in different cells in the body, but not the brain. And so people don't know They'll have them in sperm or egg, but not the 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 uh, the 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 offspring. So, yeah. you the know, technical some of the, term for that is mosaic. It, it is. It's mosaic, um, and that's we scientists have looked at this. It's it's incredibly interesting, but it's incredibly daunting because then how, how you know what do you do? You know how do you go about right. then well, helping I think people? that it's the dauntingness of autism genetics that is really kind of behind the study because I, I have to tell you, autism researchers are not very happy <laughs> that there are so many different little tiny rare mutations um, that are leading to autism risk. So I don't know if you know this, I mean, autism is known to be, I'm not, you know this, Alicia, talking about our, our listeners, Autism is known to be highly genetic, but in reality, only about 10, maybe 15% of cases are caused by genes. And each of those genes, it's, it really relates to a very rare syndrome um, in most cases. So the 10 genes in this case that they mutated, such as CHD8, SCN2A, uh, DERK1A, CHD2, ADNP, these are high confidence autism genes, but in reality, they only affect a tiny fraction of the population. And so scientists are like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, like there's no way we can come up with treatments or, you know, anything for such tiny, tiny fractions. Are there any common pathways, right, that these genes cause in the organism? Because if there are common pathways, it's possible that we might be able to come up with some sort of treatment, right, to help these people. It would be completely impossible and cost-effective to come up with 500 different <laughs> Right, treatments for 500 different kinds of autism. Exactly. They've really been on a quest, right? A lot of different studies over with using different um, methods have been on this quest to find these common pathways. So here um, they did actually find these you know, points of convergence, um, at least to, a, to an extent. Do you want to tell us? Yeah. So what they were looking at in this particular study, and there are other studies that look at different endpoints, but what they were looking at here is something called neurogenesis. So when you can imagine as you're a little embryo, your cells divide and they keep dividing and they divide exponentially. And those include brain cells. Um, and as a matter of fact, um, there are certain parts of the brain, even as we get older, that continue to regenerate new brain cells um, as 
some people think that they're development, some people think that they're repair mechanisms, but as we get older, that happens less and less. But when we're young and when, our, when we're, we're fetuses and then even when we're babies and toddlers and our heads are growing, this process of replicating, duplicating the cells over and over again, and then turning them into different types of cells. So you have a cell and then it turns into a brain cell. And then you have another cell that turns into a heart cell. That's called differentiation. But neuro, and so, but so what this study was looking at is neurogenesis, the birth of these cells, and then neurodifferentiation, which is then, okay, how many of these cells then become brain cells? And what they found is that across the different 10 genetic mutations that they looked at, that there was this common thread that there was an increased amount of neurogenesis. These cells were being just turned into, not only were they being born faster, they were being turned into brain, to brain cells more often. And what that was leading to was bigger brains. Now, this does happen in a certain amount of um, people with autism, about 18% of, of people with autism, and it's mostly boys, and I'll get to that in a minute, have an enlarged head size, and that's called megencephaly. Um, it's not everyone with my, autism. Sorry, hmm? sorry to, to interrupt. Sorry, Alicia. That would no. include my own son. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I mean, I've seen pictures oh, of yes. him, but I wouldn't have. And he's one of those kids, and you could talk to so many autism parents have this story. You'd have to cut open his shirt to get it over his head oh. right, when he was little. He had to undergo a um, a what was it a ct scan at 12 months because his pediatrician was so alarmed at the rapid growth of his of his head and they couldn't find anything yeah, wrong with that him. And in retrospect it should have you know raised an alarm we didn't know anything at, at 12 months so well uh, yeah i mean it because there's nothing it, it just you think about 20 years ago they just kind of said oh they're at the top of the growth chart they're their brains are growing. Good for them. I mean, that's no, his of, pediatrician no, was his like, pediatrician this is didn't... off the charts. Oh, okay. And he went from a big head at birth to like 99.999 percentile, you know, in the okay. first couple months. And yeah, so no, the pediatrician was actually quite alert to something being wrong. He just didn't know what. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut Well, you so off. no, no. So that's an in incredibly good point. I'm, I'm alluding to this 18, 14, 18% when in fact, there are families that this directly affects. And so the thought is, is that something happens and um, whether it's genetics or whether it's environmental, whether it's a mix of the two, what genes, they tested 10 genes. There may be all sorts of other genes that, that cause this. And what they did also do is look at these genes in isolation, but this technology may allow them to look at two genes at once, right? They can you know somehow maybe inject CRISPR into those, those early cells, two different mutations, um, and to look at two genes at a time rather than one. But one thing that brought it together was there was higher neurogenesis and those cells became brain cells. And it was obvious that that side of the brain, even under a common microscope, was much bigger than the side of the brain that was um, not showing that mutation. So right. this was okay. kind of like a, a common thread. And that's not to say that the only thing that happens in people with autism is, is neurogenesis and that all everything that causes this change in neurogenesis then 
leads to autism, but this, this is a neurobiological early marker. Right. And I think there's been quite a bit of evidence that um, at least in, you know, I'd say the bulk of cases, you know, autism is the result of abnormal brain development in mid gestation, right? Which is kind of that primary surge of brain development. And that's sort of what they, what they found here, but we have, we have to wrap up. So let's go to the, to the last step of this study, which was the researchers then did something else really interesting, which is they did something with the frog brains, but they also did something with what are called uh, um, in vitro modeling, meaning they kind of create these mini brains in a dish that are reprogrammed um, from other cells in a, in, in a human subject. And using the, that as a model, they tried to see if they could quote unquote rescue, right? What went wrong? And they use the word rescue, not like a fire truck coming in to put out a fire, but to see if they can um, prevent basically, you know, the pathology from happening. And they did actually end up doing that. Tell us. So, yeah, so one of the, so this is what's considered something called high throughput, which means you can do a lot, you can make a lot of changes, and then you can screen a lot of drugs or do a lot of testing. Um, and it's relatively cheaper and it's hot and it's, and it's more efficient. So what they did is they took that next step and they said, okay, we're going to recreate these same mutations and look at neurogenesis, but then we're going to add certain drugs to it. And one of the drugs or one of the pathways, I should say, because multiple drugs affected this, but one of the pathways that seemed to ameliorate this effect of the big brain was estrogen. So working on the estrogen pathway may alleviate some of these differences. However, and, and that, may, they, that may influence why fewer girls with, are diagnosed with autism, but it does not mean that people should go out and slap on an estrogen patch during pregnancy if they're concerned no. about having a child no, with autism. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no, because uh, they, what they did is they literally, I mean, the way she described it was she used a sledgehammer when she should have been using a tiny syringe when she was administering these compounds that affected the estrogen pathway. But the compounds yeah. that worked all focused around the estrogen pathway. Yeah. And that, and that, and as you said, this has, I think, no therapeutic implications right now, anybody, but as you mentioned, Alicia, it may point to one of the reasons we see more boys you know, with autism than girls. There may be some protective effect of early life estrogen and brain development that we are just beginning to learn about. We have to wrap it up. Dr. Halliday slash Alicia, thank you so much. And uh, we will you. talk- Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon on yes, our- Yes, we, we have plenty of interesting topics we can talk about and I'm thrilled and honored to be a part of this going forward. Thanks, talk to you soon, bye. Okay, bye. Well, Kirk, what'd you think of that? He <laughs> 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 flipped the tables on me. Usually I ask him, what do you I think know. of that? You got, I know. Yeah. I beat Kirk to the punch this time. You tell me what you... What? You, what? I failed every science class I ever did. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to grab the helm on this one. 
Yeah, a little behind the scenes, guys. Before this podcast, uh, uh, us two idiots are trying to talk to each other and figure out what we understand, if anything, about this. But the way I, the way I understood it was the, um, it's an opportunity to to to, to really research, you know, mod, you know, working with the CRISPR that we've talked about before. Yep. That, Good old um, crispy. To, to, to modify genes, which yep. it stands for something, right? C R whatever. Yep. So I know. A, I know what it stands for. <laughs> I'm just not going to tell you. I don't feel like it. Um, so it's a way to look at stuff, and I thought it was very interesting that they're choosing to do, uh, you know, animals that they could look at. And she said in a regular microscope to do, and then the other part that really interests me, to do half the brain so you can see one brain working differently on two halves depending on mm. which half of the brain got the adjustment. So, I mean, I know this, you know, we talked about this before where we talked about CRISPR as, as in being used for eugenics. Because, like, yeah. as, they, as they mentioned, that Chinese guy went to jail for trying it on people. Right. So that's not what we're advocating. But I, I feel like all this knowledge is good. Knowledge is power. So we need to, I feel like we, I think it's good to look into this stuff. Yeah, it's very, obviously, very early stages stuff. It's not going to help anybody who is listening to this and has a 14-year-old son. But, uh I thought it was pr- the one thing that was pretty interesting is, you know, the estrogen, why that may, it may be that there's more, um, a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then the, and then the large heads too. My son's got a really big head and I know Peter's got kind of a noggin too. He's got a bit of, yeah. It's hard to tell if he's got, he, you know what it is? It's slightly bigger. I'll, I'll say. He's got but that's true because your whole family has big heads. Now I think yeah, about it, right? my dad can't even use the snaps on a snapback hat. They just sort of dangle <laughs> in the back of a baseball cap. Um, Perfect. So it's tough to say what's going on, but Peter does have a, a large head. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, once again, great job, Jill. And thank you so much to Alicia Halliday for being on the podcast. You make the world a better place. This work's important work, and we really appreciate it. We appreciate what you guys bring mm-hmm. to the world, unlike uh, me telling jokes about sandwiches on a Tuesday at 4 in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> you catch me at 4.30 at Helium Comedy Club in two weeks. Anyway, everybody, uh, thank you so much uh, for listening. We appreciate it. Um, I'm at Instagram, can Instagram. Uh, over there is at Kirk Smith on all platforms and also um, give us a review if you haven't already and um, a five star review and write a review on whichever platform you listen to this bad boy on and I think that's it right Kirk that's it we appreciate you guys and catch me in Tulsa this next weekend at the Looney Bin uh, five shows and then the week after that I am in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida at good old Coconuts. I'm going to do a little quick run there before I go to Side Splitters in Tampa. <laughs> we appreciate all the, the wishes and uh, uh, and uh, and reviews that we got. Shout out to, to, to Bartlett who sent us a little cash on PayPal. That's it. Have a great week. You can do it. <laughs>